Okay, so spirits judging competitions. That is yeah, the topic so maybe, of this podcast today. Yeah, maybe we talk about uh, which ones there are. Yeah. Which ones that we've actually been to. Yeah. Yep. Um, what's the value of them? Right, I'm just doing an outline. I'm spitballing here, guys. Uh, yeah, has anyone ever gotten a medal or any medals here? I've stolen a lot of medals from people <laughs> when they got drunk at the after parties, and I've got a wall of them. Yeah, I've never earned one. So my favorite memory about a spirits situation, uh, judging competition winning, was a couple years ago with Nicole Austin. She had like swept a series of awards at ACSA, and she was walking around with I don't know, like ten or twelve medals. And I walk up and I'm like, oh, my God. And I grab him and I'm holding him. And it's just this hefty, like, ball of medals. And she's super proud and she's kind of drunk. And I'm like, this is amazing. And instead of just, like, putting them back, I let go. And this wad of metal hits her chest. And I actually hear the wind come out of her body. And she doubles over, gasps for air. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, I've just n- killed Nicole Austin. And I, her I knew her, but I didn't know her that well. I loved her. Like, you know, everyone, like, uh, my wife has a huge girl crush on her. And I'm like, I'm going to have to tell my wife that I killed Nicole Austin. And it's this fucking mess. She, like, gasps. She comes up. And I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, that really, really hurt. I said, I hurt you because you had so many medals and she stops and she's like, that's fucking cool. And then she takes a shot and she does it to herself. (laughs) That's how metal Nicole Austin is. Oh, and I see what you did there with the words. You should like start a magazine or something, something with words. Who who would do money with word things? Money with word things. (laughs) You have a winning formula. (laughs) Thank you. I think I've already done pretty well. (laughs) So let's see. Colton and I work together on the ACSA judging competition. He's in charge of the stewards. Uh, Artisan Spirit Magazine, we help with the marketing as well as kind of just oversee some of the operations, help organize it. So I've been doing that for five years now. Colton, how long have you been doing it now? Two, three years? uh, I think at least three, maybe maybe four, Uh, but definitely three. Yeah. And then I've helped with... New York does a spirits judging competition for New York distilleries. I've helped put that on once, and I'm a judge this year. And then oh, I've congratulations. gone down a couple of, Oh, thank you. Thank you. I fun. will be entering, then, so, you know, keep your eyes good. peeled. Because <laughs> that's the way it works, right? That's you see exactly how the spirits, not blind at all. <laughs> and then what else? And, then, oh, I've done a, and I, Zeno has judged at... Uh, ACSA's, ACSA's competition correct. last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay, so Zeno, let's start there. Let's start as a judge. What is that the only judging competition you've done? Have you done the others? I think that's the only one I've actually done. Yeah. Except okay. for so like as my a judge, because I've only been a judge at smaller state level stuff. What was it like to be a judge at one of those? It uh, actually, it's a. It sounds like fun and games, but it's really freaking stressful, Because right? Right. for instance, so I was on the gin panel. And you have to drink, I don't know, I think I counted up, it was like 70-some gins. And you get, yeah. a, you get a category like contemporary gin, and you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? It, it means... right. Yeah, and I mean, because I was in the back, I got to see everything that was going out to his table. And that year, we had enough gins that all his table got was contemporary. They didn't get London, yeah. they didn't get Barrel Age, they didn't get Old Tom's. It was just two yep. days of contemporary gins. 
And so, I mean, there's that aspect of it. It's stressful. This is the volume, the sheer volume of it. And then, I don't know, my approach as a producer is I want to give constructive feedback. Like, hey, I don't like the bass spirit. Maybe because, you know, you distilled the bass spirit and whatever. I try to give, like, I, you know, you're trying to figure out, like, I try and envision the still that they used and what could have went wrong to cause that flaw if I thought it was a right. flaw. So, like, it, it becomes really stressful. And you only have so much time to be able to do it. Like, you can't take a, a huge amount of time to finish those. So, I mean... Right. Yeah, I think, you get, I think you get something like five to five, three to five minutes per spirit. Yep. But let's be honest, like whenever any of us drink anything, whether you're a judge or not in a competition, you're critically thinking about everything you drink all the time. That's kind of why we're in this industry, right? So that is like I just had to reel it in and fine-tune it and put it into words and numbers. Right. right. So it was definitely, I think it, it improved the way I approach certain things like how I could articulate what I thought was wrong or right about a spirit. Um, right. But definitely one of the more difficult, way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And it's not just sitting around drinking, to be honest with you. I barely drank anything, right? Yeah. You know, I smell most of it, and I only drank when I had to. Good question. Yeah, it's one of the only situations where you're going to spend eight hours putting booze in your mouth and not walk away trash. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, granted, you're no, uh, we're getting off in the weeds a little bit, but I want to ask you because this is an interesting debate question that came up in the maybe the second to last one we did. So there's kind of the debate on the spirit side when you're judging a spirit, should you spit like in wine or should you swallow the spirit? Because there's a couple different arguments to that. There's some science behind some of it, but I, I want your opinion. What do you think? Do you have to spit or swallow? <laughs> I see you did I knew, I, I, I knew, I I knew I'd get a giggle out of you. I, I think it depends on, one, the spirit that you're drinking. And two, if you think you can accurately assess the spirit without drinking and swallowing it. I, if I had my druthers, I would definitely drink and swallow it because finish, mouthfeel, that's all very much part of it. Right. But when you're drinking 70-some spirits in a sitting... If you do that, then when you get to spirit seven, you're going to be screwed, right? So you're dulling your senses immediately. So I think that I kind of, my approach was how far can I get without even putting it in my mouth? (laughs) Oh man, this is not even a a distilling podcast anymore. (laughs) How far can I get without putting it in my mouth? Not far at all. Look at you. All I'm trying. Yeah. See, I was just trying to get a few like out of context quotes I can take and bla- plaster online just to fuck with you. But you made it so easy. Like I didn't even have to tease it out. So you can just like soften the tone of my voice and play it at a really low level into the vents in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to figure it out. <laughs> Colton, what's your opinion on that? I don't want to cut, cut you off. So no, you know, no. It's fine. Nah, I, mean, I mean, he's right. Like if you can. You should swallow, but again, you have seventy spirits that you're going through. So, I think finish is sort of my only reason for that. Though I think you can get a good judge of the mouth feel and everything with, with while still spitting. But yeah, I but mean, like certain things, so like wheat based spirits, they always there's one characteristic that's very similar to me, and all like wheat beers wheat whiskeys, like anything with wheat, and it has, I would call it the tongue blanket. It has that mouthfeel, and a lot of that is on the finish. 
So oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, just talking about you know, right now we're talking about gin, which is this really basically really flavorful vodka, right? Yeah. If we're just doing a vodka panel. Oh, I yeah, would. I would think tough. you'd almost have to. I mean. Because vodka, 90% of it is the mouthfeel, right? A vodka so. panel is my nightmare. <laughs> Someone's got to do it, though. So. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, and it should be done. And yeah. I actually kind of like, I mean. That's a challenge. Paul though, Hughes was sure. on the other part of the gin panel, so that was, yeah. that was pretty fun. Like, Which I think was vodka, too. Right? Yeah, it was. It was bouncing things him off of him. But, you know, the U.K.'s definition of what they think is good vodka is completely different as what we think in the United States is good vodka. So and I think it's actually turning more. Like and I had uh with just I had Boyd and Blair when I was in Pittsburgh and I had that, you know, it's from Glenshaw, old Glenshaw glass building and north of the city. I've had that vodka before. But it has a lot of character to it. And I think those are the vodkas that we're gonna be seeing now. But to your point, like judging that panel, I don't know how much I could do. I guess the nose would be a lot, but I think you really need to For a vodka, yeah. You, you kinda need to drink it, yeah. Yeah, I right. mean, I guess I guess it depends on the spirit, but yeah, you really do need to. I mean, small sips, basically. I think is what we're advocating here. Very, yeah. very right. drink responsibly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point because I I've been to a couple spirits competitions where people were not as responsible, and there's nothing more depressing than seeing a judge peeled off a table. So I actually Man. I think this leads really well into how spirits competitions work. And why you shouldn't be surprised if you do really well in one competition and then really poorly in another. It all depends on, you know, your placement in the lineup, what time of day, how many they've had before, especially if you're talking that, about some of, you know, the competitions you've been to where right. it's less responsible. If someone tries your spirit at 4 o'clock in the afternoon after they've just had 30 <coughs> others... They may like it or dislike it a little bit but, more. But I don't but. want to deter or discredit any of those by saying, oh, you know, I, I think that for the most part, generally speaking, you know, they try and do be as objective as possible and do a great job right. without getting shit-faced, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, I think that brings up a really good point. I think that's a good idea, Colton. We should go through what happens in the back room of a spirits judging competition, what people should be looking for in a good competition. Um, real quick, before we get into that, I want to read one excerpt from an article in an unnamed magazine. I won't quote myself because it makes me sound like a douche. Um, but uh, Dr. Gary Spedding, awesome guy, writes really good stuff. He did an article on basically sensory development, you know, not specifically for judgings, but that's part of it, more for the uh, process analytics. But he has a really interesting quote here. He says, we sense, flavor of the, uh, we sense flavor of the spirit in the mouth, not by sniffing, but by breathing out. The spirit volatiles are released via the air draw through the spirit and by warming of the liquid. At the back of the throat is a retronasal passage, and the volatiles from the spirit are driven through the passage and over the olfactory ep- uh, epithelium. Totally butchered that this flow is enhanced by mastication of food or even liquids via jaw and tongue and mouth muscle action so essentially and there's more here that's a small excerpt but what he's essentially saying is by drinking the spirit you're actually breathing out and that's a lot of the flavor right. you're getting is that actual release of Volatiles. the air through you. yeah exactly so that's something i thought it was interesting to hear that put in words in a very sciencey way yeah that that's true but i mean a lot of that you're getting through sticking your nose Balls deep in a good mm-hmm. carrot, too. And that argument could be made by someone like Maggie Campbell, who's a friggin' expert who can pull out tons and tons of qualifiers and notes and flavor profiles from just sniffing it. She is 
She's a friggin' savant. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's that's what I I try and get as far as I can with my nose yeah. because most of what you're tasting is what you're smelling too. So yeah, I mean, even even when I'm doing like you know, barrel tastings at the distillery, ninety percent of it is my nose, and then once I find something that I'm having trouble with, it's all right. Let's actually taste this and see. See if we need to do anything. I think it's the ultimate yeah. determination, right? If I'm between <laughs> two as a judge. So I'm just like saying, putting myself back in that position. I'm like, okay, right. these two are fairly close, right? Which one? And then I drink it and I'm like, okay. And then it's a whole experience, right? So one thing, yeah. one thing before we get too far, just talking about Maggie. Yeah. One thing that she said at one of the competitions that I thought was really interesting is we were talking about... Um, you know, what you should eat and drink and if you should wear cologne and things like that. Obviously not. Uh, yeah. No, I, but, bring, I bring two cans <laughs> yeah. of Axe Body. Yeah. <laughs> I drink my spirits like I'm in middle school. I smoke my cigars. <laughs> yeah. I light my cigars by getting a, a lighter and then Axe Body Spray. <laughs> it's like a little blowtorch for my cigars. But So one, one thing she said that I thought was really interesting was that don't change... Don't change your daily habits because then things will taste differently. Yeah. So, like, don't yeah. not drink coffee because things will taste. Yeah. You know, if you absolutely. normally drink coffee, don't not brush your teeth because my biggest you, thing you is... have to sit at a table with people for the rest of the day. <laughs> but also, if you're you know if you change all these habits, all of a sudden your your palate has changed. I, uh, my biggest thing is like, I like being hungry, right? Yeah, I keep myself hungry the whole time. Yeah, it's an easy way to stay not drunk. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like to put stomach. nothing in my stomach but alcohol. <laughs> right, absolutely. But yeah, no, no that's, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, it's no, that's I mean, what, I'm always... what, what, where we went to school, all they said all the time was, you know, your, your palate is best at 11 a.m. because that's right before right. lunch. Right. You have food in your well, stomach, but you're, you know, you're hungry, so... So it's interesting, since we're on the topic right now of what judges can do to do a really good job, a couple of key elements. One is, and again, Maggie brought this up, is, you know, don't smell coffee grounds, nothing like that. Smell your own body. So basically, like, smell, you know, a part of your body because that's kind of what your body, that's what your sense of smell is used to. Yeah, back back of your hand and your elbow, wherever. Exactly. Exactly. If you can reach other places, that's as flexible as I am, so... Whatever Zeno feels Hate. most appropriate, sniffing on his own body. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a familiar smell. Yeah. Smells like home. Also, yeah, it smells like. Also, if you're a judge and you do happen to guess what the spirit is, don't tell everyone else at the table. Don't be a yeah. dick. <laughs> don't be. Yes, a everyone's dick. impressed. Don't be a dick. That's just a general rule that should be like the subclassification of this podcast in our industry is don't be a dick. Full disclosure, at that competition, I gave exactly one gold out, and it was for a spirit that I had on my shelf at home. And I knew exactly what it was. I'm like, yeah, this is a gold. I'm finishing this bottle, and I'm upset about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's – if you're a good judge, a lot of times you're going to pick things out. You're going to know what they are. But if the second you open your mouth, then you have to recuse that table. Yep. You have to send it out to another table. You know, there's just a mess. I mean, Colton and the stewards basically have to jump through hoops to make sure that the integrity of that flight isn't compromised, right, so which I think jumps perfect. back into that. Yeah, yeah, let's segue into that. A blind competition. All right, That's so the most important thing to look for. Colton, so let's go. talk about, you know, ACSA is where most of my experience is, is but... I assume many of the other ones are sort of the same. If any of you 
if our one listener happens to work at a distillery and has sent something in, he'll know the procedure. You got to send in two bottles, one yep. for the competition, one in, in case you make it to best of show or, or best of class or whatever, and we have to open the second bottle. And then two, a lot of times they send them out for extra tastings and things like that. Um, yep. Or breakage, too, in shipping. Yeah, so let's say you, you get in 500 to 1,000 samples, mm-hmm. right? Any, anything from vodka, gin, rum, absinthe, all over the board. So we break it down. We empty all those boxes. Please, please, please do not send, do not pack your boxes with peanuts, it's not only very dangerous for me if I'm reaching into a box that is possibly broken glass and it's just peanuts I can't see in there, to it's pain right. in the ass and they don't work. Packing peanuts, just to be clear. If you want to send like a pack of like, peanuts, yes. <laughs> dude, we love, yeah. we love fucking snacks. So feel free to send in, hard like, some in Cheetos and things. <laughs> right, right. Just don't, just, just don't throw them in there, though. Make sure you're using foam, custom cardboard. Things like that are amazing. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, all right, so we get all the packages in, right? They're sent to central location, wherever we're going to have the judging, usually a month or so long. So mm-hmm. that's an important part, too. You have to have warehousing space for that. Um, then <clears throat> we break them all down one day. We'll start, setting, we'll start flighting them. So that's basically setting them up in flights that make sense. So yep. if you have a bunch Crash of... If you have a bunch of... Flight. <laughs> Come on. We we have a jingle now. <laughs> Nicely done. If you have a bunch of uh if you have a bunch of of rye, let's let's take rye whiskey for example, right? You got a bunch of rye less than 1 year old products, a bunch of white rye, a bunch of rye 2 to 4 years, a bunch of rye 4 plus years. You don't want to send those out all, you know, mixed up. You want to do all of the rye 1 1 to 2 years in in a flight haul the ride two to four years etc you also want kind of want to make sure you have to you know keep your flights in a reasonable you know talking about Zeno being on a judging table they got to be a reasonable flight you can't send out 15 samples for them to try that's not fair to whoever went and paid for what was it how many was on a flight we usually do six to six to eight eight is kind of our max eight is tough yeah, it is a hard flight, and it's it's really it gets unfair to to the distillery or or whoever sent to it everyone in. Everyone involved, it's unfair to everyone <laughs> yeah. involved. That's a lot of swallowing. So, <laughs> <laughs> a good mantra in the back room of any spirits competition is protect your judge's palate. Yeah. yeah, you know, really make sure. I mean, there's only so much stewards can tell the judges, and again, that goes to the blind part of a competition and a blind competition is just not that you label you don't label what they are the stewards have to make sure they don't say anything you have to make sure you don't put too many specifics on the judging notes you know sometimes we'll get um proofs in that are you know very specific like a point two or a point yeah. four and that helps judges identify what it is if which i mean but you know that's on the market that's just the way it works there's you can't you right. can't mess with that too much but yeah, you do have to have some information. You can't just send it out. Say this is sample A. Let's say let's right. say sample A is you know a four year old bourbon. If there's nothing on there, and the, for some odd reason the judge thinks it's a vodka, he's going to score it very poorly. So it's got a lot of flavor, yes. right? <laughs> you got to walk that line of giving him enough information that again you're doing justice to the producer, yeah. but also not going so far that you tip your hand and tell them what it is. Yeah, so it's a weird. Color. So we usually what we what <laughs> right. we usually tell them is. You know, this is, you know, X kind of spirit. So let's say bourbon. 
It's X amount of years old. If there's a specific flavor, we usually tell them that, even though, you know, that's kind of borderline tipping them off. But, you know, at the same token, if, if it's a, you know, cucumber gin and they're not expecting that, they could count that as a flaw. Right, say this right. doesn't taste like juniper at all. I don't. I don't think that you were that particular about it, though. I mean, what I'm saying, we we were that particular, but there's more. I mean, we, there were we plenty, much on the more flight. There were specific. plenty of cucumber gins that were just yeah. in a contemporary gin category. That's true. I right. guess that was a bad example. Yeah, but you're thinking more of like DSS, so like distilled spirit yeah. specialty. Yeah, we're yeah. going to get a little more exactly. nuanced, and that's because of the type of flight. So if you're giving a fl- you know a flight of say flavored whiskey. You know, you're not going to dig in super deep. Maybe if they go, like, people are going to be able to identify it's a flight of cinnamon. Um, but if there's one random cherry fla- you yeah. know, flavor in there, you'll probably tip them off and let them know that. And especially on DSS, Distilled Spirit Specialty, you're going to give them weird flights. There's going to be, a, you know, say a flight of moonshines, flavored moonshines. Then you got to mm. let them know, hey, this is peach. This is so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it could be argued that maybe that's not the best way, but... For the most part, I think in regards to that, again, you want to be respectful to the producer and, you know, give them, give those judges some information so they're not just flying blind. Uh, and again, I think you're, you can do it in such a way that, again, doesn't tip your hand. Well, right. Brian, let me ask you this. I mean, you've been to, you've seen the guts of more competitions than I have. Is, is there a lot of differences between them or in general, do they all sort of follow the, the same path? Really, the biggest differences I've experienced are more just on the bookkeeping end. You know, that's one of the biggest hiccups that any competition has is really just the bookkeeping coming, bringing back the notes, making sure they're scanned, make, how is everything scored, making sure products are, you know, making sure the backroom administrators aren't futzing with stuff. Ooh, yeah, know, essentially. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> the bookkeeping. I know it's incredibly boring yeah. administrative yeah. side. The, the booking, for the most part, any good competition is going to follow some really basic fundamentals. Don't tip off what the spirit is. Send it out once to a good group of mm-hmm. judges. Make sure your stewards are respectful. Again, and I have not been to nearly as many as, say, you know, some of these gods in the industry like Steve Beale, who does judges, you know, judges competitions every week. He flies to Singapore. He goes to Europe. You know, I think we should yeah, get that, some, like, that's him more on, on the talk. judging side, right? We're talking, True, we're talking he, about the but back But he does consult end, right? on a lot of them, too. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I would okay. So the biggest ones I'm familiar with are ADI and ACSA. Obviously, mm-hmm. ADI or I should say ACSA originally broke off of yeah. ADI back in the day, and we've evolved a lot since then because of people like Maggie Campbell. So the scorecard is a lot different, but the fundamentals of what's happening in the back room are very similar. At least that's you know they they're trying to aim for the same end goal. So ADI is from everything I've experienced and talked to, it's a really solid competition. Uh, ACSA is a really solid competition. I can't speak to a lot of the others. Those are the two biggest craft side competitions that I know of. There's a bunch over in Europe. I know Whiskey, was it Whiskey Magazine, Whiskey Live, they do one every yeah, year. Whiskey Magazine. San Francisco. Like, San Francisco. San Francisco is one. Yeah, that's a big one people send a lot of product to. Uh, and again, not speaking specifically to anyone, and we could maybe get into the more nuance of that, but there are competitions people jokingly call metal mills. You know, you send in a product, you're almost guaranteed to get a metal back. You know, especially when you start getting into like quadruple platinum and then you go down like the base metal they give out as gold. You know, people do that because of the marketing side of it. And I guess we should maybe talk about, especially you two as distillers, why people enter in yeah. 
spirits into a competition. And my experience, the two big ones are uh, marketing. If you get a medal, it's really good on marketing. It helps you stand out. It differentiates you in the marketplace. And then, of course, on the smaller scale, usually it's peer review. You want those notes back, like what Zeno was talking about, getting really good peer-reviewed notes from experts. If you have a problem with your fermentation or there's something slipping through the cracks just because you're too close to it, sometimes a competition like that can give you details that you would have had to pay you know, thousands of dollars in consulting for. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys. Why do you enter in competitions? What are your reasons? Well, I mean, just, just back to that real quickly. I'm, I think, you know, I, Brian, I know both you and I worked really hard to make ACSA a, you know, industry competition that was more focused on feedback than it was. With a lot of competitions Agreed. you'll you'll enter, and let's say you're lucky enough and, and you do well. Then after you, you know, get told, you get the email that says, hey, you, you won XX and X or whatever. The next right. email after that is, buy my... Stickers that say that you won X, you know, that's the real money right. in a competition. It costs a lot to send into competitions, but it costs a lot to buy their stickers. Yeah, I mean, Which it's is, what, a couple hundred dollars per entry for a lot of these competitions? Yeah, is yeah, that the plus shipping, plus, you know, all that. Plus but, shipping, yeah. yeah. It does, I want to, you know, I want to get into this why we enter a competition, but I do want to say that it does take an army to make these things happen, right? And yeah. I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I appreciate the stewards and how well prepared and you know how the flights were set up and I know Colton maybe I'm just blowing Colton right now <laughs> which is on a different podcast but yeah the, the, uh, I'm your one subscriber guys <laughs> but in all honesty though it was like it was difficult for my end for a totally different reason than what they had to do and you know and I wasn't the only judging table you know so it, it was pretty it's pretty impressive how many people can come together and how what it takes to get it done. So, yeah. I mean, one, one of the things to me is, yeah, it's, it's great to be a judge and, you know, it's, it's great to like get to blind taste all those spirits and everything. But just my first, my first experience in the stewarding side, just standing there and seeing 700 different samples from around, especially all craft. Like yeah. basically every everybody who makes things in the U.S. sent in to ACSA almost, and I got to try you know ninety percent of them over the course of three days. Just that the educational experience for that was incredible, and it, it it's is. ever evolving too. Like so, I'm saying it yeah, that's on me, right? like it changed. I looked at the uh, this year at ACSA. I wasn't a judge this year. I was a judge last year, and I looked at the judging form. And even that has evolved, and I'm sure it's going to evolve even further next year. Yep, and just just seeing the trends of what I get to you know front line see the trends of what's happening in the industry. Where year one we had two giant tables of bourbons, year two we had a giant a giant table of bourbons, and then a table of half rye and half malt, and then almost last year we had a giant table of rye and malt and like half a table of bourbon. That you know that's craft side, but just watching that trend like american malt whiskey just blew up one year all of a sudden yep that's a really good point it's basically a snapshot of what's going on and what's coming down the pipe too because a lot of people will send in spirits fairly early to get those medals so they can ramp up for that marketing push and yeah i mean five years ago there was what i 
I dealt with five or six flights of flavored moonshine, not to keep picking yeah. on flavored moonshine. It's but my favorite. But that's, this that's year been a big had, change. Right? Been, there was like maybe right. one. I don't, one I think flight. I, had, one I think flight. I had to find a place for it. That it wasn't even a full flight. I but just said, all right, let's, did you let's do, shove it in the flavored marketplace. Did you do an aquavit? Flight. There because actually, there so actually was a full Aquavit flight. That so I was like, what was, the hell? And I don't... It, it was actually really interesting. It wasn't this year, but was it last year, Colton, that Aquavit won yeah. Best yeah. in I show? voted for it. At ACSA? Yeah, because it was amazing. Yeah. It was this I mean, incredible... It was, that was what, Long Road Distiller, yeah. Distilling? No. Yeah, they, Long Road? Yeah, it was Long Road. Yeah. I want to say it was yeah. Long Road. They made just a delightfully well-balanced, amazing Aquavit, and it seemed like around that time we started seeing Aquavit blow yeah, up. Right? And I'm not saying it was because of that award by any means, but around that time before and after... Aquavits were just hitting and killing it. I think that trend slowed down real quick after a year. I don't see as many Aquavits now, but so it was really interesting to see. I, I mean, I, I like it. I actually think it's a cool spirit. Ah, it's great. So it's yeah. like it's like a it's a riff on gin, kind of right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, I voted for that. That came up. So the way it kind of works is, you know, you, everyone gets a best in class, right? And so that right. was in DSS, right? That's where that Aquavit yeah. mm-hmm. landed. Yeah. So it didn't come yeah, yeah. past my gin panel, obviously. But, like, you know, I had all the best in class. And no lie. I was like, this, I, I knew, I'm like, this is an Aquavit, and it's the best spirit on here. Right? So I guess, I guess real Which quick. Which is weird for real me. Real quick, let's just go over. So, you know, you set up different panels, right? You have, let's say yep. we have 30 judges. We set them into five different panels or whatever. You send out your gin panel, they get all the gins, your vodkas, your brandies, your whiskeys, all that. Then at the end of the day, you take sort of, usually it's mostly for whiskey because they have the most, but you get you have to do a best-in-class flight where all of the golds or whatever go back out to all the whiskey panels. They retaste them, reevaluate them, pick the best of that, and then, you know, same goes for vodka, same goes for gin, everything. And then all those... All those best in class go to all of the best, all of the panels for best in show. So right. even your gin panel is picking the best in show for whiskey or you know whatever they end up picking. So Aquavit, like like yeah, Jason was saying. Yeah, now it makes more sense. And stop calling me Jason. <laughs> 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 Only when we're head to head on a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we both wear Steelers sweet. helmets. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> I know it's so bad for me to be in my element. I'm like, oh no! Now everyone's <laughs> like me. I'm not unique. I'm not a snowflake. A beautiful and unique snowflake. Not still not like snowflake. the political snowflake thing. Now I don't want to get down. That <laughs> yeah. Oh, too late now. Here I we can't go. even say no. snowflake anymore. <laughs> Just a cuck. They've cuck taken all the good things from us. Tired over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's getting dark. Okay, so. I actually want to bring up a thing, too, that, again, not to be the ACSA show, but one of the things I'm really proud that we've done is the orientation for judges the day before. And I'm totally taking credit for that because I totally stole that from Ted Huber and repackaged (laughs) it. So it was actually his idea. But within the first or second year of doing this, I actually laughed because Ted Huber was reading. He was the former chair of the judging committee. few years back and he was reading the notes from the judges and there was just at the same table with the same product the variables on the language they were using to describe i think it was a gen at the time were so disparate i mean there was someone who literally said they didn't taste juniper 
in the gin that was so juniper forward, it was just that like had no other botanicals. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And they just didn't have the language just to describe like, what they were tasting. Put like seven juniper berries in a Glencairn. I made gin. Right, right. Yeah. So I, we actually, um, a couple of years ago was the first time we did it, but we got together and I think they partnered with Moonshine U the first time and essentially got all the judges in a room the day before, sat them down and went through, I think it was like a two hour orientation. So it was kind of like a mini workshop class where they simply put out aroma samples and they basically had a, a you know, a spreadsheet of these are what the samples are and what they smell like so you can it, it was basically to build their vocabulary so if they're smelling juniper they can associate it with juniper if they're smelling coriander they can you know they can associate it with coriander and citrus and so on down the line and i think that was really valuable to even some really well-established judges to have that vocabulary put in front of them so i think what it did is and i hope it doesn't do anything where it pushes them towards uh a type of judging. I, I mean, I don't think we're altering the scores by any means. I think we're just giving them a better voca- vocabulary. And I want you guys to talk about that because Jason, I think you did that class. Yeah, right? I did. Uh, I mean, yeah. I totally agree with it and it's an ever changing thing too. That's not something you would do once. You right. should do it all the time because yeah. better ways to describe something, newer words. Uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of a better way to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I, I need a calibration class for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like Zeno, your lexicon is terrible. It's like a four-year-old. Um, no, I, I think the dirtiest goddamn four-year-old I've ever yeah. talked to. Yeah, it has still my voice, so it's like rah, 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 I shit my pants, um, which is just my normal voice, normal modus operandi, right. and a normal conversation yeah. we have with you. Anyways, no, yeah, I think that. You know, when you talk about sensory, too, a lot of it's, it's statistics and lexicon, right? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, there's other things, that, how it works, sure, but when you're talking, it's sensory, it's statistics and lexicon, and it's, you know, you're, sub- it's, you're making a subjective decision. Like, you mm-hmm. are. So if you can articulate that in, that in a similar way to the rest of your group that is trying to do the same thing, then your words are way more impactful because there's some consistency to it. And if you're a producer, you're a distiller, and you get stuff back, and I say, you know, this is astringent, and someone says it's bitter, those are two different things. Yep. Right? So, yeah, exactly. You know, that you need to know how to articulate those finer details, which, you know, I'm not trying to say, like, ugh, I'm not chugging my own dong here because um, I can't reach it. <laughs> but, you know, like I just, you know, I learn new words all the time. Like that's a great way to describe this, and, and you know, and I think to have a calibration class to get everyone that's a judge to be saying similar words. You should have like almost a word bank. That sounds terrible, but it almost makes sense. I mean, it is. If, if it's right on the at, nose. If we look at, I know maybe we'll put it up on our website or something. But the the judging sheet that Maggie came up with does have a word bank, which. It's not a huge word bank, and it suggests you it suggests you use other words as well, but it kind of right. just gets you started. It's great, and then just get back to the uh, the calibration class. You know, the first year we did it at Moonshine, and basically we passed out um, we we just passed out those flaws. It was a lot the, of flaws. The fl- but yeah. the flaw the flaw kits, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have yeah. everything isolated, like something stays. which is great, but it doesn't really tell you how that. It's going to, you know, acetone doesn't smell the same individually as it does in, in a spirit. Pr- yeah. So this year, or last, this year, 
we put it in, you know, we used Maggie's base rum and threw it in, uh, threw all the flaws in there, you know, different ones or whatever, so you could kind of get it into a spirit. And then I think next year, when we have a little planning, we'll do whoever's on gin table, we'll, we'll pick a gin and, you know, put the flaws in there, pick a whiskey, put the yeah. flaws in there. The only thing we're kind of nervous about is... If if you do your flaws based off of a specific gin or a specific whiskey, I, I just don't want the judges to end up thinking, oh, whiskey should taste like, you know, because you're going to have your standard in there, right? So right. whatever that standard is, I don't want the judges thinking, oh, this is what an A-plus whiskey should, you know, should taste like. All whiskeys should taste like that, right? I mean, I think that doing, like, triangle test and tetrad <clears throat> test yeah, are really useful too. I mean, those are industry standards. Yeah, that would be an amazing competition if everything was a triangle test. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be great. You could get through like three flights a day. <laughs> I, I mean, I think spiking spirits is really so. There's a particular flaw in big American whiskey that's just been known. We do it. It's, there's like a musty element, right? G Osmond two MIB, and that's what you do. You spike something, right? Just say hey, because it, it's a water quality source like ninety nine percent of the time, but to find that and I try and do it in I take distillate new make spirit off the still and I spike it just so I can see if I can smell it at you know 135 proof and that's a difficult task yeah. right like yeah when I prove it down to 20 sure or 40 so that's, yeah. that, that's actually a really good point um, I know that just talking about you know we're on the topic of tasting at least Big boys do most of their tasting proof down to 40, yep. right? Yep. Where we, at least just Corsair, we'll, we'll do it all over the board. Generally, we try to taste them at bottle proof. Um, we don't have the, you know, I, th- I think the big boys are you know, looking for something different where they're just quickly looking for flaws. We're looking for, is this a good barrel? Is this a good barrel? Is this, you know, so... But just you know, the just bring up the tasting different compounds at different proofs. Well, and it comes back down to it's like you know, there's a whole conversation of thresholds, right? And my threshold for whatever diacetyl, right, yeah. is different than the person next to me. So you kind of have to average that out into you know, you're not going to establish a judging panel's threshold for all the yeah. different flaws like you can get lost you know devil is in the details and also analysis paralysis right and there's some other kind of phrase that i could use that is super cliche but i'm not going to because i can't remember because i'm dumb but um like all those things like you can't do it but you can take kind of broad strokes at it and that's what you know again not the, the experience that i had is like that first one that calibration was a broad stroke and it sounds like it got a little a little more into the details and I'm sure next year it'll be... We just got to refine it. That's yeah. All. yeah. That's the beauty of it, though. Like, you learn something. And I, I think most of that is, you know, anyone, if you asked any of these organizations, they're pretty transparent about how they judge. Like, if you want to know so that you can practice... They should You can be. practice those things at your distillery, which is awesome. So you're like, hey, you know, this is how my, my thing is judged by strangers that are my yeah. peers, right? Like, that's pretty neat. That's pretty impactful. I, I think one of the things we've kind of glossed over is that, you know, we're doing calibration classes, we're doing all this, but also we're spending months picking 
quality judges. Right. Yeah. Well, not that much time because you know Zeno was a last minute ad. So. <laughs> he just kind of walked yeah, it in was the door. Weird. It was really like, awkward. Where's no security? Had the no, joke, no joke. I was a last minute <laughs> yeah. ad though. It was, and then, was a then Maggie, <laughs> Maggie, like I, they didn't ask me again this year. I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And uh, no, and she was like, I'm so sorry because it switched heads. I like, and I wasn't on a list. And I'm like. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, I'm like, like, I'm not upset about it, right? Hey, sure, I'll do it anytime I can because it's a learning experience for me. And it helps me grow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's no joke. I'm definitely the last choice. It's not just because my last name starts with a Z. I'm also <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Colton, I want to ask you a question from an entrance position. Um, perspective if you win a competition which of course there's won tons of awards how do you guys then capitalize on those i mean not i mean let's actually talk about the competitions where you have to buy the sticker do you buy the sticker do you invest more money do you guys see those as a scam do you just pump that through your own marketing channels what do you do once you win an award all right so i think we're a little different um not definitely not trying to talk myself up but we're going to go into in a second of how you enter and win competitions because I think that's an important aspect. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Wait, is <laughs> this the part where you know like, is, is this a pay-per-view class yeah. now? Yeah. We have to this, like, we drop just, 50 We just bucks. hit the paywall, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they call it when the, you know, I'm sorry, I was too busy talking myself up. What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Three easy steps to win a spirits judging competition by Colton. A pay-per-view. That just makes it sound like I'm going to (laughs) strip a cam girl. I'm a cam girl now. No, seriously, yeah, what, was, what was your question again? <laughs> but we're still only recording the audio, but I want you to strip. <laughs> so, no, my, my question before, before you started, like, patting yourself on the back was when you win awards, ah, yes. what do you do to then capitalize on that win, market it? What, you know, what do you do? Yeah, so, do you, take uh, you know, at, in the beginning, we would, you know, market that out like crazy, you know, any news organization we could tell we would any post we could make we would all that um yeah we we don't do that so much anymore um we also don't we try not to enter that many competitions all that much anymore um because you have 87 skews because we have too many skews it's just (laughs) that's part of how you win a competition the shotgun approach (laughs) you just shoot them all in there one of them will sneak snake through (laughs) We won 17 awards out of 87. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't say that last part. It's perfect. <laughs> shush, 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 shush. Um, but, you, you know, like, personally, I think that the sticker thing I now think is a scam. For It's a scam for distilleries my size and what we've done. But when you're first starting right. out, that's incredible. Like, that's super important. I'm upset at the prices that they charge for those stickers. You've already, what are the prices? I don't yeah, even know either. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but they're oh, cool. way good, too much. Good data point. It's really impactful. <laughs> we'll go back and we'll edit. We're the so. informed podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go back and edit in a fucking price of a sticker. Eat my ass, dude. Nobody they're wants too to expensive to is anyways. the answer. <laughs> do, do you want to pre-record? Yeah. They cost $47 million. I don't know why that was the robot voice I went with. <laughs> it's like an old-timey 45. Award stickers. <laughs> back to episode one, sex robot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're expensive, for, especially for a startup that's small and they just need that marketing advantage. 
you've already paid two to three hundred dollars an entry just to get in the competition yeah. alone, and then all of a sudden you got to pay, you know, X amount for every sticker. Um, and every sticker's different. That's and why I don't know the goddamn answer. You have to apply the stickers. And you have to yeah, self-apply which, the like, stickers. They're usually scratch that's true. and sniff. Anyone <laughs> that is going to listen to this has ever worked in a craft distillery or brewery and you had to do labeling, let me tell you, that's not the glamorous part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, hey, let's add more to that. Um, but, you know, obviously they're a very important part of marketing. I can't say... I think I was kind of jaded coming in. I don't go into a liquor store and see a metal on a bottle and say, you know, a metal sticker on a bottle and say, I'm going to buy that because it's gold no. on that bottle. Right. But I'm sure a ton of people yeah, do. Yeah, I'm right? sure it can be a determining factor. And I'm glad you said that because I feel like it was all going down this road anyways. It's that, like, don't take it too personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing I could say. If you're proud of what you do and you have... 87 SKUs and you want to put all 87 in because you think they're all gold, by all means, go for it. Uh, if you come back with zero, it's not the end of the world and you shouldn't take yep. it too personally. And that's really hard to do because I if know... If you come back with zero, you, you should read your tasting yeah, notes. why? <laughs> Say why or yeah. ask questions. I know Maggie tells me... I feel like we're doing a Maggie Campbell episode, <laughs> which we should do a Maggie Campbell episode. <laughs> yeah. Every episode yeah. should be like 20 minutes and just, dedicated and let's to Maggie Let's do Campbell. one just on Maggie, but not interview her at all. We'll just all <laughs> find out as much as we can about her and just talk about Maggie Campbell. And then release just, it. Like turn into a creepy release, stalker yeah, show absolutely. about Maggie Campbell. Yeah. I'm so sorry, yeah. Maggie. Oh, God. We just turned into yeah. assholes. No, wait. We were already yeah. assholes. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Are what you eat. Um, so <laughs> anyways, like, but not taking it personally. I know it's tough to not take it personally. And shit, I take it personally to a certain extent but it's not the end of the world you can get the feedback that's there and there's reasoning behind it and sometimes it's because you changed the geometry of a fermenter right like because you expand it and just it changed and it's just different it's not so you're so close to it you use that kind of phrasing before you're so close to it that you're not even seeing it sometimes so it's very impactful and it's very i've used the word impactful like a million times um there's my lexicon or lack thereof right so I mean, I think uh, one of the distillers I talked to at the last conference was, you know, he said last year was very humbling for him. And he won big the year before. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me after the award show this year. And, like, he was like, I feel good. He's like, I feel all right. He's like, last year was very humbling. He went from winning big to, like, nothing. And that's, it is humbling, but, you know, you're not going to, you can't let it piss you off. Like, that's a really good point. In this, especially in the smaller craft industry, we're dealing a lot more with flavor drift. So you cannot assume that your product that you made the year before is going to be the same as next year. Not unless you're Dream Fun Tory. And actually, (laughs) exactly. Then you especially can't do it because I can tell you for a fact. (laughs) You just don't have those systems in place. Like, it's impossible. It's not impossible, but it's really difficult to do. And like some some you know, craft variation, I know we've talked about that before. I'm like, yeah, you can get away with murder, <laughs> and you can to a certain extent. But if people and sometimes you can embrace it as long as it's not getting worse. It can be different, but it can't be that's bad. That's a great point. Yeah. So all right, but there there are ways that and you know it's it's the same in the beer beer world. There are ways that you can set your product to do well in competition specifically. 
you know, it yeah. do, that doesn't necessarily equate to doing well. Yeah, let's get back to the yeah, paywall. Enlight- enlighten tell, us, tell us how to win big. Godfather of competitions. <laughs> <laughs> I've won like three like awards. Cat you can okay? pet while you're talking. About- <laughs> yeah. He's wearing all of his awards yeah. for the listener yeah. out there. No, they're under no the other clothes. You can actually yeah, just like awards. Medals. <laughs> he actually wears them around his waist, so it like partially covers his junk. So it's one medal. Went low, bro. Okay, Go, tell us, Colton, quit teasing us. I mean, you know, so we were talking about you know, especially palate fatigue by judges near, the, especially near the end. So kind of know where your Spirit is going to be in the lineup. If you're, you know, if you're a rye whiskey, back just back to rye, just keeping consistent. If you're a rye whiskey less than one year, you're going to be earlier in the competition, right? Because they're not going to get to rye four plus years. No judges, no no steward at least is going to want to set up a a four year rye right before a one year rye, right? Because the judge is going to be all kind of skewed, and you know it's it's just going to be a fucked up competition that way. So yeah. if you're a four plus year rye, you're gonna know that you're near the near the end of the competition. You want to have big flavors because their palates are gonna be fatigued by that point. You're gonna want to have, you know, we're a big smoke whiskey company. That's really great for end of competition things. So when we send in products, we often send them in higher proof just because we know higher proofs go later, and the judges will be able to taste not only just higher proofs but also big flavors. We're not going for subtle when we're going for a, you know, big smoked whiskey or a high-proof whiskey, right? Big Buddy? smoked whiskey and high-proof whiskey. Shit, who makes those? Yeah, I don't know anybody. Yeah, so my takeaway was, how do you win a spirits <laughs> judging competition? Corsair. Be Corsair. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by... Yeah. Brian's Basement. Don't go in alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen a ton of really good whiskeys that I absolutely love just bomb in competition because they're they're too subtle. Like a judge's palate just can't handle it. And I come back to those. Usually, I'll see those people at the convention or something and say, "This whiskey was incredible. Don't take these judges' word for it." And one of them was Zeno. <laughs> yeah. They sucked. He's an idiot. <laughs> what do they know? So wait. You- you bring up a really good point too. know the type of competition you're going into because what would get a bronze at ACSA would probably get a silver, maybe a gold at some That's of these true. other competitions that are either true. run differently, have different judges, have looser standards, maybe just have less overall palate fatigue in some of the situations. Again, I'm not saying ACCA, ACSA has a palate fatigue issue necessarily. I'm just saying you have to be aware of how those other competitions are run. And I think, in a good way, ACSA has really ramped up over the last couple of years. So a bronze is a really good quality product. And I think as an industry competition, that's important. I mean, if ACSA was just giving out tons and tons of golds, I think that lowers the quality and the integrity of the competition. And I know not everyone would agree with me on that, but I'm really a big fan of a competition that if you get any kind of medal, you should be damn yeah. proud. And that shows you've done a really good job because you're being judged against your peers, by your peers, and a lot of really good industry you know, professionals. And Zeno. Some of the other competitions. And <laughs> Zeno. Zeno. You, know, you, you always got to throw the one in. Um, so I think that's worth keeping in mind. The standards are really high to get a medal at a, at, at a competition like that. And I've even noticed over the years, ADI 
compare, you know, the first awards dinner I went to, tons and tons of medals. It took all freaking night. Now their standards are definitely higher. It, you know, it's, it takes a lot more work to get up to that gold level. So, and I think that's across the board as the industry's gotten older and come of age, those competitions are harder to win at. And I'm, I'm personally kind of proud of that. And again, some people may completely disagree with me and tell me to go fuck off, but I've never actually listened to people anyway, so I don't even have your audio on, so I don't know what you guys have been saying this last hour, but I sound awesome, and I look great. I, I 100% agree. We've, we've had a lot of internal talks about you know, how the industry is a different beast now and how much it has improved. Um, yep. A lot of our early competitions we look back at and say those were great, but we really need to step it up now. You know, there's a lot yep. more people out there, especially, you know, we've talked about it before, but a lot more money has just entered the game. And, you know, it, you can't just get by by making something unique. You have to get by by making something really good that is also unique. Well, and I, I think that kind of goes in with how much more, you know, how much more an award can mean, a sticker can mean to shelf space, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, that's a whole another podcast. Yeah, think, shelf of, think like of it. Oh, yeah, think yeah. of it. All right, so like, look at uh, Booker's Rye, right? Or look at Crown Royals Harvest when Jim Murray's. Those were both back to back, right? Jim Murray's yeah. Whiskey Bible, Whiskey of the Year. Do you know what it did for those two spirits? And those are big boys, right? But it blew those spirits out of the water. I can't. I can't. I've never seen a bottle of Jim uh, Booker's Rye to buy. Yeah, I've never seen sure. one on a shelf to buy, and yeah. I know where they make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Crown Royal, yeah. Crown it's Royal. A, it's in my bathtub. Yeah, it's Crown Royal Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> it's bathtub Booker's. <laughs> That's yeah. No, you don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> really. Disturbing. So you just actually tanked that product. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one will ever buy it again. You fucked but that like, up. But you're saying like so perception is reality, right? If People were like, well, that's a gold medal winner. Or that's Jim Murray's, you know, whiskey of the year. Shit. People are like, I want to try it. I, more than, more than Jim at, Murray's, look. whiskey Bibles. Right, whiskey, whiskey Bible, right? You put right. Bible in everything, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to say that, again, you can't do that with a subpar product. It has to have a strong foundation. It's got to be a good or great product. But you're right. Once it gets some really good marketing steam behind it, I mean, you're going to kick ass. It's it's it's, it's self perpetuating. Peerless rye, yeah, right. And I mean that that spirit has exploded. I just honestly, yeah. it's it's out of my price range to try it. It really <laughs> is too. Yeah, and yeah. What is it? One twenty a bottle? Or yeah, I went at the place like across the street for really good. That is a nice cocktail speakeasy kind yeah. of place. But they have a really nice whiskey list, and I saw it there last night. And I said, "How much are you guys charging for a pour of that?" It was twenty bucks. I'm like, ooh. That's even better. Remember, we were at the place by my house, and we saw it, and I was like, hey, let's get two shots of that. And before I asked the price, and Zeno just gave me this look. I was like, yeah, what is that? And he said 40, what was it, 35 yeah, it was like, or 40 a shot. I was like, oh, those were no, Na- I don't want to try it that bad. Those were Nashville prices, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what, though? I will say, and I can't speak anything to the product because I haven't tried it yet, but it's made, you know, the owner of that is a guy named Corky yeah. Taylor, who is one of the most delightful human <laughs> yeah, beings. Oh, for in the sure. World. So, if anyone wants, if he wants to charge that, I'm all for it because he's just. Yeah, we're not. We're not no, I'm not knocking that spirit at all. To be honest with yeah. you, Colton and I, last time we had that spirit, Colton and I were together. We were at Peerless. 
and they thieved some from a barrel. They were really proud of it, and it was at like yeah, it was nine months at if tops, that, right? yeah. yeah. And it was like it was just really green. I'm like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, it's just really green. I bet you that 120 dollar bottle is still pretty green, but I guarantee yeah, it. But is, I mean, yeah. but give it time, and like I said, if the base is strong, we'll get and there. it's it's what it, that people are charging twenty to forty dollars a pour for it. So. Okay. That's crazy, and and that's I mean again, can they get away with that because it's local? Yeah, I, I honestly they don't seem know. to. I mean, they're not lowering their prices, so I imagine they're getting. Yeah, away I mean, with it, it seems like it's selling. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, but that's that's just what the competition is like. I said, don't get upset about it, but it can be helpful too. Like you, you should get a little bit upset about it and say, all right, well, how the hell do I win this? Right? Like, yeah, what, what did absolutely. I do wrong, or what can I do different? Even if you didn't do something wrong. Yeah, so spirits judging competitions. I think this is a great conversation. Yeah. We could probably revisit it and actually do some interviews with people yeah. too. I think that'd be uh, great. People that know a hell of a lot more than us, which is literally yeah. anyone. I so. think that it'll tie in when we do conferences too. We just we can. You know. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing that the competitions are usually released at you know at least ADI and ACSA. It's half right. the reason you go to the conference. Right. I noticed exposure. I noticed ACSA Agreed. released their results early this year probably to entice people to come to the competition so yep and i think that was smart and honestly that was probably the best award ceremony for a craft competition i've ever been to that the room was packed no one left early everyone was engaged pretty much respectful it was great acsa yeah that's what i meant acsa's award ceremony was great i'm really i'm looking forward to adis yeah the amount of awards that mark Schilling won i think we just need to talk about how (laughs) incredible distiller he is (laughs) but the um for ever for everyone who you know for our one listener who may not be an acsa member Mark Schilling is the president of ACSA and had to take every award that people the, didn't show the, up. The or people left who of won were not right. there for. <laughs> so um, he won about thirty. <laughs> I will say this though: it was, was amazing. I can't remember his first name. Licorice was his licorice. Uh, Robert was Robert, Robert Licorice, which he was just delightful. Anyways, I'm glad you yeah, liked like, him. He He's had good people. It was fun talking shop with him, but he. He's probably our one listener, yeah. by the way. So we should we, we should pat yeah. him on the back. <laughs> Maggie Campbell, Maggie Campbell, <laughs> Robert Lickers. Yeah. Um, no, he was saying. I said to him, "Like, well, any of your spirits here? Because I really wanted to drink one of his spirits. Fortunately, I did get to because he brought some with him. But I, he was like, "No, no." He's like, "Pretty much, we chose San Francisco, and you know, like we send stuff to Whiskey Advocate and." Like and he had a very concise approach of what competitions he was going to enter, because where he right. thought he fit in, and I thought that was very insightful. It was cool, you know. Yeah, you have to take a marketing business approach to it because again, it's, those add up. I mean, if you're getting charged two hundred bucks, I mean, it is market rate, so. not counting. Yeah, yeah, exactly, not counting shipping and all that stuff. Yeah, this is this should be unless you're base starting out and you really are just hungry for feedback. This should be marketing. I agree. I think that's really important for people. yeah. It's bang for your buck, right? Like it's. I mean, honestly, actually, the only tasting notes I get back are from ACSA and ADI. I I don't think I yeah. even get tasting notes back from anything else. Really? Well, I don't think any of the others. I may really I may be wrong, but uh, 
My memory says that. The, I'm such a bastard. Are, so. If I didn't get feedback back on it, I'd be like, "What the? Who the fuck are you? Like, what the fuck? You don't <laughs> who like judges? this? Are you like this? I don't give a fuck what you think about. Did anything. I go here and judge this yeah. myself? This is terrible. Yeah, I want to hit you with a sock full of rocks. Like, fuck you. And with that, thank you for listening to the Still Talking. <laughs> Till next time, where we say some more. Kind of things. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out, yeah. Robert. <laughs>